You are listening to the one of us.net podcast network. One of us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio based or banner ads, but on a case by case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at one of us net at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage one of us.net and sign up for a subscription at two, five, ten, or twenty five dollars and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. I'm sorry, I know it's been a bit of a break. Believe it or not, my life has been insanely busy. We were at Fantastic Fest. That took up a bit of my time. Sorry. Complainer. I know, right? I'd be like, I can't believe my life is so miserable. I'm at Fantastic Fest. So many movies. I saw so many movies for free, (laughs) and they were giving us free drinks, and it was horrible. Yeah, you were telling me, it's like, man, it's been really rough with a drink in your hand. I'm like, oh, Uh, fuck you. It's a be careful what you wish for thing. Well, sure. I always say, like, people are always like, yeah, man, I, I'm going to do this the first time. I'm so excited. And then they're like, third day, they're like, how do you do this, man? Like, we're like drunk every night and like watching five movies a day. And like, I feel like I literally need to go to the hospital. I'm like, <laughs> it's the, it's and the, they're like 25. And I'm like right? 51 going like, whatever, man, just bring snacks. <laughs> I just need some Cheetos. I'm good to go, man. <laughs> I mean, that, for years. that is literally the case. Uh, <laughs> I go to HEB, their local grocery chain, and buy one of those bags of their generic bags of chips. Oh, yeah. They're like, they're not Doritos. They're whatever they're called. You know what I mean? They're, they're the H-E-B Doritos. off-brand of yeah. them. But they taste more or less. Close enough. I'm not a... I don't normally eat a lot of that stuff, but Mandarin Fantastic Fest, I come in, my mouth is all orange and shit. This is, <laughs> this is snack talk on Digital Noise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do like some snacks, but still... Anyway, we're here to... Yes, it's Digital Noise. I'm here with Wright. Hello, Wright. Hello, Chris. How are you? I'm good. I'm tired. It's been a busy uh, couple weeks, as I just pointed out. But also this week, we had just movie, 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 movie. movie. We have another movie tomorrow. Yeah, we do. And I have another movie the day after that. Fuck. Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean... So I'm like, I had one on Monday, I had two on Tuesday, I have one Thursday, and I have one Friday. And everyone listening is like, fuck you guys. <laughs> it's the worst. You don't understand as he holds his whiskey. I'm dr- <laughs> <laughs> It's been terrible. <laughs> you know, the hardest part has been actually making sure I had time to catch up with digital noise stuff because I have those, we have those months where I get sent almost nothing and I have those months where everything comes out at once. And oh, guess man, where which, am I with those mo- nothing months? Guess <laughs> which kind of month this was. <laughs> so I'm like, fuck, I got to find ways to, I got to, every second has got to be full. So yeah, I managed to plug through a lot of stuff mm-hmm. and this is with already stuff sitting on the back burner that you had to watch yep so we're here to talk about some of those back burner stuff uh they're a little bit late my apologies to the rep companies involved it was like i said a fantastic fest throws everything off by like two three weeks yeah so you know go to hell yeah <laughs> that's not what i'm saying i'm deeply i can grateful. say that i don't get to go to fantastic no, they're not they're not sending you the copies of the they're movies, right <laughs> so. That's fine. Well, we're going to start off with a movie 
that I feel like I had heard about in myth and legend, but I'd never actually seen. And I remember with Vestron, uh, you know, the Vestron line of Blu-ray releases, yeah. uh, like they put out usually horror, but like stuff that was uh, not the all-time classics, but stuff that's like somewhere in the middle to lower end of them. And yeah. you never know what you're going to get from them. It's always like, sometimes I'm like, woohoo! And other times I'm like, I have no idea what this is. But it's all stuff that came out in like the 80s and 90s usually. And this is actually one of the, you know, ones I was shocked that I have never actually gotten around to seeing. Sundown, The Vampire in Retreat. And the reason for that is, A, it's a Western horror comedy, which is literally the rarest of rare things. I've never seen this before. There's like a handful, like maybe less, like three, I think, maybe Western comedy horror films that are like overtly on the comedy. What would else would there be that? Yeah, there's a few and they're all tiny little like festival titles. Oh, okay. Right? Okay. Like it's just not a very common job. Like Tremors would count. Sure. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Right. But it's like not very many of them. Right. I'm like, ooh, always looking for stuff that's like, ooh, filled these tiny little niches. Yeah, yeah. My favorite niche is Christmas horror, but that's a whole other story. Understand? We'll get to that in like a month or two. Oh, God. <laughs> God help me. But also this stars Bruce Campbell as a Van Helsing descendant. Uh, wow. If someone had told me this was a thing, I totally would have watched it before now. This may be one of the best movies ever made. Oh my God. What? I, it's not. Okay. Look, when you were saying it's like, there's two types of movies that come from this company. It's like either a woohoo or like, what the hell is this? This is both a, what the hell is this? And a woohoo because (laughs) this movie is so much fun. I was shocked and flabbergasted with its self-awareness and honestly, it is really funny. And I mean, horror—it has vampires in it. It's not scary at all. Right. But uh, I, everyone in it is playing it so well. And Bruce Campbell is like kind of a bumbling buffoon Van Helsing, which is right. really fun. And David Carradine is the leading uh, v- vampire. So, like the plot, all it is is just that vampires have now, I guess, sort of evolved in a way where they can. They have new sunscreen that can help them live out uh, in more or less normal lives. In normal Although lives. why they would choose to live in the desert, it's even well, with that. They explain that because, well, yeah, it's just like there's more heat. Uh, yeah, like go to there. Scotland or something. Right. Uh, <laughs> give yourself a chance. But they all live in the desert in a very secluded town. And they just like, you know what? We'll, we don't want to kill humans anymore. We're going to leave, you know, all of it to ourselves and just be in peace. And it's great. Well, like, oh, the idea is awesome. So, we should say, like, Carradine is, like, the old, old one. I mean, it's insinuated yeah. he's, like, the most famous one. And he has basically set up with a human scientist a way to create synthetic blood, as far as the scientist knows, who is, you know, sort of the guy coming in with his family to visit the town. Everyone's like, you're a hero! They all love him, except for not everyone, because not all vampires are totally happy about this solution. Yep. But he's, you know, he thinks it's for, you know, I mean, like, creating more blood for hospitals but no it's so these vampires don't have to kill humans right but not all the vampires are happy as i said a lot of them are like well fuck this bullshit yeah i mean it was like another group of people who are in there like because one one guy gets killed by some of the not into this vampires early on oh, with, right, with, a, yeah. with a wonderful M- emmett walsh playing one of them uh, you know he's eating so much ham in oh, this yeah. movie it's fantastic <laughs> and yeah they're like oh we're gonna figure out what's going on and get these guys but like it's a super goofy movie, and like it, the one thing I'll say for it is it didn't go at all where I was expecting it to go because uh-uh. I thought like 
you know, you're, you're like, oh, town full of vampires. Everybody's going to show up and then the vampires will like manipulate them and then try to eat them. And then they'll be, but the idea that like, they're like, no, we don't, we don't really want to kill. And then it's like sort of vampires and humans versus vampires and you know, like all, all out war. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And this might have worked if, if it had succeeded at being funny. Because I don't think it did. I thought it was funny. I liked it a whole lot. I thought that. Yeah, what do you know about comedy? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 again, I was like more or less shocked. Like everything was happening, but I, I actually laughed a few times in the movie. Uh, cause it's, it's so weird what ends up happening. And, but I was also captivated, captivated by some of the performances. Like there is a great villain in here who is like really just the, the henchman in a way of one of the, the bad vampires. And this guy is so gross and mean and awful. I was like, I couldn't like look away. Like he was so awesome to watch and everything he was doing was just like really perverse and gross. And it was like, it's also hysterical for just the, the idea. Cause it, it, you're saying earlier, some of these movies that they release, I was like, the, this was almost like, a Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. on like WGN, <laughs> like some offshoot of the CW. Like they define a lot of the bad vampires that the one that's the younger one, like the good looking one is mm-hmm. Maxwell Caulfield. And I'm like, where'd I know him from? I know I know him in something and I can't nail it. He is the John Travolta-ish character in Grease 2. Oh my God. I, that, cause I've seen that movie, like, I don't even know how many times, see, but it's been see. decades since yeah, I have seen yeah. it. I was like, Oh my God, that's what it is. He's wow. a Grease 2 guy. He is very greasy in this movie. <laughs> and you know, this is directed by the guy who did the first, uh, the two waxwork films, which I think are just delightfully fun horror comedies. They're great. And Hellraiser 3. Which is not delightfully fun. It's not delightfully it's fun at point, all. I remember going to see in the theater opening night. I was so excited. I had a Hellraiser t-shirt. Oh, like I had a honey. poster in my house. I was like, all oh, like, man, Hellraiser 2 is like, one of the greatest horror movies ever made uh, that oh, I honey. had access to up till that point. <laughs> and, I mean, I still think this it's is a great story movie. is becoming more and more depressing. I still, still think Hellraiser Two is a fantastic movie. It's great, it's but, really good. but three is like they they Nightmare on Elm Street forward it. I was like, oh <laughs> Jesus Christ! They have one liners and shit. Let's put and like, CDs in his head. The guy, oh my God, what? Anyway, we're not let's put a camera that. in his head too. Yeah, that, stop. I'm so glad that a better person is doing the uh, the new one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so. This movie, yeah, it didn't work for me overall. I, in fact, I right was like, oh, I gotta borrow it after this because uh, we want to do an episode of, of his podcast, Trash in the Can, about it. And I was like, you can just have it. <laughs> I, I cannot wa- wait to watch this again. I was, I, yeah, I cannot wait. I, I would highly recommend buy at least two copies of it, put it in each room, <laughs> buy it. It is a great movie. It's so much fun, and it's so weird that we didn't. No one knows that this exists, and like. You know, there's David Carradine, Emmett Walsh, uh, Bruce Campbell. Yeah, I mean, honestly, everyone in this is recognizable. And it may yeah. be partially because I'm older and like I, I watched the TV shows a lot of these. Like there's right. somebody who's like from Dallas. It was one of the big people from the show Dallas and yep. stuff like that. Like everybody in this, like if you go to the Wikipedia page, like literally everybody is clickable and they've got like a slew of credits of stuff that didn't really ever turn into a long lasting thing. But right. You've seen some of it. So you're like, oh, everybody. You're like, oh, I recognize them from somewhere. You yeah, know? they're all, it's a bunch of casts of like, what's his names and who she's. And it was like, wait, I kind of knows. And you know, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, ah. 
I don't know. Not my thing. I'm glad it's your thing. There are some extra features here with the audio commentary with the director, Anthony Hickox, and the director of photography, Levy Isaacs. Uh, there's isolated score selections because people were like, ooh, I got to get the score for this. Wait, I mean, the score is and, not that bad either. It, it's not. With the uh, audio interviews with the uh, music historian, Randall Larson, and producer Jeff- Jefferson Richard. There's uh, a interview with Anthony Hickox. There's uh, a interview with Tony Gardner. There's an interview with Bruce Campbell, which is the only one I watched, I'll be fair. Yeah. And and uh, there's an archival interview from 1989 with David Carradine, obviously archival. I mean, otherwise he'd just be like, so, Mr. Carradine, what do you think? Oh, he's a little choked up right now. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Archival interview with M.M. at Walsh and then still galleries in the theatrical trailer. Uh, and this kind of actually comes with a digital copy, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I, like, I, I find right. it so funny. It's like they, they come to interview uh tony wilcox about this and they're like are you fucking serious I'm like okay by the way if, if you don't use digital copies i'll take the digital copy okay yeah because right. my wife loves us having digital copies of everything sure. she's all about that all right yeah You're anyway welcome. you were saying i'm sorry no no yeah it's just funny that the idea like someone wanted to interview something about like sundown is like that fuck are okay. you i don't even remember making that movie. yeah yeah because i gotta read the wikipedia page right like it's it's kind of a, a forgettable movie and and you know i guess the the filmography of uh of anthony uh, Hillcox, but uh, it's still fun. It's still really good, and it's very cheeky, and I, I dug it. I liked it a lot. Well, the next one, we're going into an Arrow release of a 1971 uh, Satan panic film mm. called The Brotherhood of Satan, and, uh, you know, there was a, obviously... In the wake of Rosemary's Baby, there was a slew of the satanic panic films that were coming out and they were inspiring lots of bullshit, quote, quote, nonfiction books and stuff about the topic. By the way, that's all nonsense. There were no satanic cults sacrificing babies across the world. It just wasn't a thing. It's Uh, unfortunate because I know that babies taste great. (laughs) They're delicious. And you're not even a satanist. No, no. Right? I'm just a Christian. (laughs) Oh, I believe there's Christian cults eating babies. <laughs> <laughs> that part is absolutely true. I don't know. I'm just teasing. I'm being ridiculous. Absurd, even. But uh, this is directed by Bernard McEVT. I don't know. He's mainly a television guy. He, he did, having a stroke? He did a few movies, uh, including another cult horror film called The Return of Dracula. But yeah, he did shit like you know, the show Combat and uh, uh, The Virginian, Gunsmoke, uh, Buck Rogers, uh, Eight is Enough. I mean, he did tons of television. And Brotherhood of Satan is an oddity of a film in that I've seen a lot of the Satanic Panic films. Yeah. And this is one that's doing something very different than any of the others I've seen in some ways, partially because their cast of like the, the Satanists in it are all very elderly, except yeah. for one who is like, I'm always like, will someone please tell me what that one hot chick is doing there? Well, she, it's almost like she was like, uh, what is it called? Uh, like, uh, not a stand in, uh, like, what? uh, She's like, we got to have one hot, sexy chick in the same. Well, yeah, sure, but like, she's there, like in the in the wings, just in case someone dies. Like, I'm here, yeah. and uh, and she's there. It's like it, she sticks out like a sore thumb. But it's like, well, what? Okay, now because that actually that one element kind of takes me out of like what the Satanists were trying to do. I'm like, well, yeah, you're doing good. You're, you don't yeah, need like, they're this. all old as shit, and like I get what they're doing, but like you, you're like 20. So what are they doing, right? Oh well, uh, they are. <laughs> Okay, they're <laughs> go to the beginning. Just go to the beginning. They That's are fine. getting children to make them. Oh, to basically in, inhabit the children of, like of their spirit and their mind, so they can basically live forever, yeah, be reincarnated, reincarnated as like children in the town. Yeah. And what I don't understand is that, like, why didn't 
the townspeople uh, kill them. Well, I don't think they, the point is they didn't know. Like nobody knew, but they know that like children. Okay, so they know that children. Well, are the idea is when like this, these people drive into this town. Yeah, and uh, the the immediately they're attacked by the townspeople who aren't crazy. They're just like, you must be horrible because no one can come into this town because there's some sort of spell on the town that lets no one leave or enter. Yeah, but yeah. They were allowed to enter because guess what? They've got a child with them. And I was like, ah, oh, we're missing. I didn't you. catch that actually. Yeah. Now that makes sense. Yeah. Oh, okay. And. and so eventually, like, okay, I guess we're on the same team, even though everybody in the town has different ideas about what the fuck is going on, what to do, because dozens of people have died, dozens of children have gone mixing, missing, and they're like, we don't know what's happening, but something is all out assaulting this place, and we literally cannot physically leave the boundaries of the town. Right. Right. And they're like, okay, well, it's the cast of Cocoon up to some nefarious deeds. <laughs> it's evil Cocoon. <laughs> it's evil Cocoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it kind of is. I mean, I mean, actually, that is extremely appropriate. Now, because yeah. we were talking about before, is like if anything needs to be a musical out of any of these movies, it's this, this movie needs to be a musical. Yeah. Because it would be hysterical. Let's see these all these old people. It's like, we got to suck the life out of children and put our bodies into the... Oh, that sounds bad. What? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so- I mean, it, and there's... A- there's stuff in here that's like so silly. Like there's a sexuality aspect to this that is really funny between like the people who come into the town because the wife is like a straight up fucking looker, right? And like the husband. Oh, but, yeah. Like it starts with him like, we're going to do this. We're going to fuck. We're going to fuck, right? Yeah. And it's like, it's like what, uh, what are you? So we're in a strange town and everyone wanted to kill us immediately. And you're like, but you want a bone, yeah, well, right? Well, she, they're not in the town yet at that point. That's oh, pre-town. that's right. Yeah. And yeah, meanwhile, yeah. the daughter is like in the car or some shit, I guess. I'm like, what is happening here? I, anyway, it doesn't matter. The point know. is, that's a song right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we got a bone before we meet Satan. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, it, this is, if you like everything we've said so far, if you're like, hmm, this sounds like the sort of thing that could be up my alley. Yes, it's super corny. Yes, it's got cheap production values. It's got a certain amount of recognizable faces, but not super recognizable. Yeah. Only if you like know like a lot of TV from this era, really. The, the sheriff, I was trying to re- figure out who he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, now I just forgot who he was. He uh, was it's LQ Jones, who was in a bunch of Sam Peckinpah's films. That's right. Yeah. yeah. And he also co-wrote this movie. Yes, he did. Yeah. That is accurate. Um, But uh, it's, I mean... <laughs> It's it's shot well. Like I remember uh, watching, and the first thing I was, I was thinking is like, man, like this was directed the fuck out of this, or like shot the hell and back because it it looked, it had a kind of it basically had a production value of like a, a TV show back then. Mm-hmm. And like, okay, well, I, I get where they're coming from, and it wasn't like terrible by any means. It's no. just like it's just weird, and it, it, it there are definitely lulls in it because if you're thinking about like oh they're gonna kill people left and right like ah that doesn't really happen until like a third of the way like or two thirds the way through it's like okay now we're picking up because the last like thirty minutes are like whoa okay by the way said L Q Jones also wrote and directed the sci- science fiction classic starring Don Johnson a boy and his dog really yeah. Wow, I know. That's weird. <laughs> uh, so I get, to, I, I can understand from his taste. Then uh, he's just sure. like he loves like crazy weird stuff. I but, mean, uh, I know lots of people that I'm like will have never, almost certainly have at best heard of this, but never seen it. Uh-uh. Arrow's got a prime primo release of this thing. I th- I know people. I'm like, oh, this is so up your alley. You know, like yeah, it's not going to be for everyone. If you're the sort of person likes finding those little hidden gems from the 60s and 70s that have like really weird little like wow, why is no one? Why is this not on more lists? 
Roberts. Yeah, I know. mean, most of these movies I have never heard of before that we're going to talk about. Welcome and to Digital Noise. <laughs> welcome to Digital Noise, and uh, and I, I'm really happy with most of them. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, this one, I'd still say definitely check it out. It's It's kind of fun. Yeah. It's nowhere near as fun as Sundown. I mean, if I was tripping, this would be the best movie ever. Not because it's super psychedelic, <laughs> but it goes to the kind of... I liked watching weird, super weird horror movies when I was tripping. Like, that's when I discovered The Abominable Dr. Fives with Vincent Price, oh. which is an all-time fucking legendary oh, classic. And we're talking about... You know, next something that's related to that. But anyway, we'll get to that. This has got audio commentary by Arrow regular King Kim Newman and, uh, and with Sean Hogan, just a discussion of like the history of satanic panic things and what have you. There's from the dark past, which, uh, is, uh, uh, the short is actually called Satanic Panic, which mm-hmm. is a visual essay by David Flint, which talks about the history of 70s satanic cinema. There's the children of Satan, which interviews some of the now grown up kids. In the film, which is kind of cool. Oh, uh, interesting. And there's a bunch of trailer TV and radio spots, image gallery, reversible sleeve, keep case in- insert, as well as the insert booklet. So, yeah, I mean, it's Arrow. They do a great job pretty much without fail. Even if they're movies I really, really don't like, they do, which we'll get to one of those uh, in the <coughs> show as well. Oh. Um, they do oh. such a terrific job with the presentation. Yeah. I, I will say also, I just re- I realize what this really is. It's not it's not only evil cocoon. It's cocoon meets village of the damned. <laughs> yeah, kind of is. Well, we're gonna skip past the other aforementioned arrow terrible film that we won't get to yet to a, a kino r- horror comedy release that I has been on my bucket list for a while because I've talked a lot about how much I really love Vincent Price, lifelong fan of Vincent Price. I have all three mm, yes. of those Shout Factory box sets they came, they put out. I've watched everything on them, but one of the ones that was conspicuously missing that's always considered a Vincent Price classic was the 1973 British horror comedy Theater of Blood. And I've always been like, I didn't even know it was a horror comedy. I just knew it was considered one of the must-see Vincent Price horrors that he thinks it's the best film he ever did. But there's a reason for that. Because he spent his whole life trying to get cast in Shakespeare, and no one would ever cast him in Shakespeare. Really? Is and that so the... Oh, wow. This was his one Whoa. cinematic o- outing where he got to kind of, sort of, do Shakespeare. Because this is, like I said with Abominable Dr. Fibes, some people actually called this a satire of the Abominable Dr. Fibes, which I think is weird, because that in and of itself is kind of a satire. Yeah. Uh, But it's definitely got the same structure, just with a different idea behind it, and that here... He plays a Shakespearean actor. Oh, heavy instances on the tour. Yeah, Edward Kendall Sheridan Lionheart. Uh, that oh man, was so upset about being thoroughly humiliated for multiple times by the member of the theater uh, critics guild. He goes to their awards ceremony, has a fit, and then throws himself off the balcony, uh, presumably dead. Isn't he doing a, a monologue from like Macbeth or he something? He pretty much nonstop does monologues from Shakespeare. In this oh, thing. yeah. Uh, so. Anyway, the idea is, much like Dr. Fibes, which, if you haven't seen, you have to go out of your way to see, because it's a masterpiece. People start, the critics start turning up dead. And the reason they're dead is because he ain't really dead, and he is showing up and killing each one of them in a very outlandish, like, very specific to a Shakespeare play style, with monologues included, and costume makeup and everything with him yes like setting up to kill each one of them elaborately and yes sometimes like sometimes some like 
uh, more elaborate than others. My favorite is the one with the guy who like his favorite thing in the world is his two dogs. Oh, my oh God. it's the best. It's I, the I was best. Like, this is like right here. I bet you John Waters watched this movie and was like, I'm making my whole career out of this one short. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, He was doing Titus. Yeah. Uh, Titus Andronicus. This is a fucking blast. And then it was funny when we were watching this. It's like, oh, shit. I hope never no one ever like wants to kill us because this is really like a huge fuck you to critics oh yeah yeah and- no i mean it's <clears throat> tongue-in-cheek because nobody well, yeah nobody who's still a working actor overtly says fuck you to critics unless they want their career to die right you right know? i mean it's like hey we don't have a lot of power and we don't make very much money but what power we do have we will fuck you <laughs> right i mean it's just and and that's what they do because i mean they're all speaking from their heart and thinking that he's kind of a, a hack but vincent price is schmacting the hell out of this. Oh, yeah. He is so great and fun. big, fake noses at points, and I'm like, oh, God, yeah. Oh, he plays like there's a doctor. He The the scene where... Oh, and Diana Rigg uh, is in this. Plays his daughter. Plays his daughter. Very sexy Diana Rigg. Wow. uh, Emma Peel from the original The Avengers, which is not Marvel The Avengers. There was a British thing that was totally different. Yes, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Here now, brown cow. Uh, But... um, Here now? Wait. How now, brown cow? How now, brown how, cow? How now? Yeah, that's, that's fine. I wouldn't got in. I thought maybe there was a different thing I missed. I was like, is there a whole other, <laughs> like, is there like a, 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 a parallel universe I don't know no, about? No, it's an end game. Uh, oh, okay. so, Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, but he, uh, like, they, they play really well together. She, she plays his daughter and maybe someone else. I saw it like a mile away. It's like, come on. Yeah, I mean, there's. This is not meant to be like I can't figure out what's going on. I mean, it lays out everything very early. Yeah. Also, it's just like, did I'm wondering if the audience is like, of course he's alive. Uh, It's like, what? I mean, they reveal him being alive super early in the film. Yeah. yeah. uh, Again, not a surprise. This is pretty much exactly the structure of Dr. Fibes, just yeah. with a different context laid on top of it. And I think that whereas in Dr. Fibes, it's more psychedelic. You know, mm-hmm. it's more, it's pointed at like a 60s or a 70s hippie generation. Uh, this is definitely, if you're not at least have a, ter- if you don't at least have a tertiary like for Shakespeare, you probably will be a little baffled at points. Like, I'm not entirely, I mean, there's a lot of in-jokes you're going to miss. And I am not like a deep Shakespeare scholar. And I'm reading more about this film going, yeah, I missed a lot of like really uh, puns and jokes that I just, I, there's no way I could I, I caught a few things. I mean, if, if you do like Shakespeare, then you will probably love this if just how schlocky and fun it is. But again, it's like, I, I didn't, I guess, uh, I mean, I've seen a good uh, chunk of Vincent Price uh, films, but yeah, I've never heard of this one and, uh, or I, I've heard of it, but I've, I never, I never got the chance to see it. And I guess the, the biggest appeal of this is that, and I, to your point, when he was like, he's always wanted to do Shakespeare and this mm-hmm. is his, you know, chance to do it he is having so much fun oh yeah doing this and uh vincent price doing shakespeare it's exactly what you think that would be like right and (laughs) really what this is i was just thinking about this is like oh this is like the the joker if it if he ended up being a 60s batman villain (laughs) like this is the origin story shakespeare yeah (laughs) (laughs) like he he really is just like and because he has like he has minions of like homeless people that help him out and like they just like do whatever he says because he gives him booze or whatever it is <laughs> and like it's just delightful of all the things that end up happening and some of it, like what he ends up doing a few times like he's basically like I, I wonder if um oh uh, what's this uh 
the guys who did Saw. Like, watch mm-hmm. some of these things. And, like, they do a few, like, Saw traps with a few of the people, a few yeah. of the critics. And there's one that was like, oh, wow, that's kind of ingenious. Uh, well, again, Saw didn't invent the super elaborate trap. Well, of course. I, re- I refer you again to the abominable Dr. Fox. <laughs> <laughs> which is corrected. all about super elaborate like weird traps. Right. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I, I, I dug the hell out of this. This was so much fun uh, to see him just chew oh, it up. He's egghead. If he was like obsessed with Shakespeare. Oh my God. Yeah. From, yeah. from Batman, the Admiral yeah. series. It's yeah. pretty much that. Yeah. It's, it's a blast. I, I can't recommend this enough. And it, breezes by too like, oh yeah. it's it's not like boring or anything yeah, at all i had fun it's, with it yeah it's it's a blast i'm so glad it's finally in my collection because i'm i can be a bit of a completist man i Wait, i can't have this no <laughs> no i was actually uh we we reviewed um uh dead men don't wear plaid recently oh which I yeah totally adore that film and yeah. it's like a collection of clips from classic noir intermixed with steve martin being silly and having fun as oh, a yeah. noir detective and there's one that's like with Vincent Price. I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this movie? And I'm, now I'm blanking on the name of it. I wrote it down though. Cause I'm like, Oh, I haven't seen that. There's apparently a classic noir, not one of the biggest, you know, we're not talking about like double indemnity or something. Right. Right. But like one of the ones that's very well regarded that he plays the main villain and the shots in it are like, Jesus, this is fucking spectacular cinematography. I'm like, I have to track this movie down now, not just cause I love classic film noir, but I'll watch anything Vincent Price does if it's good. And this was also really like shot really well too like yeah. there were so many like really fun and ingenious so- shots with like you know a lot of like foreground and background action yeah. that was going on and uh, i think there's even this uh like some like soft focus stuff going on or mm-hmm. deep focus it was like this is fucking great uh so there's it's kino so it's not as elaborate as arrow because arrow is the one one arrow yeah, synapse yeah. and severn are the ones right now like we are the genre criterion no i'm the genre criterion shut up <laughs> Vinegar, Sin- Vinegar Syndrome somewhere in the back is, I mean, we are too. Dude, nobody has heard of the movies you're putting out. Be quiet. Look, Siege is great. <laughs> that wasn't Vinegar Syndrome. Fuck Vinegar Syndrome. <laughs> no, they're, no, no, they're great. I like Vinegar Syndrome. <laughs> Again, I don't represent... They just are that level that are so obscure yeah. and so gnarly that I'm like, I can't take most of this. I'm super glad that you're putting stuff out and like giving it so much respect, but I'm not your audience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, and you'd think I would be. This comes with uh, promotional materials. We have a vintage theatrical trailer, radio spots, TV spots. There's a ep- vintage episode of Trailers from Hell with Alan Spencer talking about it. There's uh, two commentaries. One is a brand new one with Alan Alan Spencer deconstructing the whole film and Vincent Price's career. Uh, there's a second archival commentary by film historians David Del Valley and Nick Redman and a reversible cover with the vintage poster art, Ooh. which I think is better than the new poster art, personally. Yeah, the new poster art's kind of crappy looking. Yeah, you know, if you're going to create new poster art, then go for it, man. Go wild. But otherwise, why don't you just use the vintage stuff? Oh, that's great. Yeah, isn't that much better? Yeah, that really is. Speaking of not much better, we're moving to that aforementioned Arrow horror release that uh, I that neither one of us we're both kind of baffled that this was a choice, and it was a choice. Someone made the choice to say, "Let's take this." Like, I think at the point where they they got a hold of it, there were like three prints existing of this in the world, like no because nobody cared about this movie, Death Screams. Oh my god, which is arguably. A remake of Ten Little Indians by Agatha Christie. The director has claimed that it was supposed to be that. 
Now, which, by the way, is the most remade Agatha Christie thing. There's like 30 right. or 40 different versions, and that's not even counting all the episodes of like Murder, She Wrote and shit that also <laughs> did versions of it, right? This is a 1982 film uh, that was also titled House of Death and Night Screams. And oh, didn't it say in the, the movie, like, Night Screams? Uh, yeah, the titles when you watch it says Night Screams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sm- small southern town. We see right off the bat, a, the best kill in the whole movie is this couple were making out on a motorcycle, and they get killed with a, a garret. And I was like, oh, that's kind of brutal. And then yeah. dumped into the water. I'm like, all right, maybe I'm in. So I moved to a couple days later, and a bunch of annoying teenagers man, uh, coming home for summer vacation. There's a traveling carnival on its last night. There's a lot of you know, does he like me? Do you think he likes me? Type of stuff going on. There's like, I mean, they're just a, a parade of slasher movie cliche characters going on here. Uh, and uh, the most egregious and weird is the yuppie guy here. Where I'm like, what are you even doing in this movie? Oh yeah, that's right. Look, th- oh man, it really seemed like that this movie was, was like that. If they're trying to make Ten Little Indians or remaking it, I mean, faintly, faintly, they they're definitely where it's like, yeah, but what about boobs? Like this movie is basically just a, a, a an excuse to just have everyone topless as much as possible. Yeah, I mean, which I don't necessarily for this era of films have a problem with. No, no. I mean, sometimes it's awesome, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it is so. It it just it doesn't work. It's just like there's no point to it sometimes, and also it just ends up being kind of gross. Somebody's there's, there's somebody's some, killing the teenagers is what it comes down. Someone's killing to. the teenagers. There's also like things like, well, we need to go back to the bodies. Just just see some more boobs, and <laughs> the movie ends on boobs. Uh, it's ridiculous. But like, I I remember watching the end of it, like when the the killer because it's a secret killer, yeah. and like you see who it is, like what? Yeah, and like I like I and I, it's one of those like. We saw that character die, and like, did you? But Man. then you have to go, well, then why did we see the thing that we saw? Because, I'm, like, what, was he play-acting in his house? I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I honestly think this movie was way too white. I could not tell a lot of the people <laughs> apart. When yeah. that guy was finally, like, revealed who the killer was, it's like, wait, is that... Wait, I just saw him in another... Wait, who is that? I mean, in the movie, of course, like, points a finger early on to oh, a developmentally God. disabled, I mean, seriously movie, or like, a, like, character, and you're like, oh, it's, you know, the movie going, oh, it's him. This is basically like a pre-Jason Voorhees, Jason Voorhees, and mm-hmm. you're like, okay. I mean, maybe it is, given the time period. It's not. But, like, you're like, this is... I mean, you could never do this now, obviously. That's, like, super offensive, but I don't want to judge this by modern standards to sure. be sure but it still leaves a foul taste in your mouth as it you're does. watching it because they're really like oh, oh retarded guy yeah i mean yeah. definitely the movie is not um how you say uh woke no. uh, <laughs> and also a couple of things that i don't understand like uh, it, you know it's called death screams even though it's night screams um but there's also like this stupid shrill shriek that happens every now and then and i couldn't tell in the movie if the characters heard it or it was only for us as an audience to hear because every now and then they would kind of recognize it and other times they wouldn't I'm like, I, I wondered about that too yeah i was just like wait is the killer making that noise i, I, I think there were just uh, a bunch of screaming goats in the area god it's like gotta get rid of those goats I, man they are the worst do the sheep scream in your dreams <laughs> uh it is just it, it's i mean did you forget clarice you forgot did clarice, you forget <laughs> uh but y- y- the one thing like 
what's really unfortunate about this is that this hour and a half movie could have been cut down to like maybe 45 minutes because the good chunk after the first act break is them just like going to the carnival. They get into shenanigans. It's a long time. Well, they, it's uh, just, it I mean, is, to their credit, they try to give these characters arcs. They try to make them have relationships with each really other. They really try They're to do that. Just all so banal and boring yeah. and useless. And you're like, what is the, you, we know you're just setting up these people to get killed. This is terribly written stuff. Like there's no, there's no joy in this whatsoever other than some moderate to very attractive women taking their shirts off. I mean, which I'm not going to shit on. I, I'm a heterosexual male. I like the female form, especially in the seventies and eighties, because that's when I grew up. <laughs> All my porno magazines are from that period. You that are time. ancient. So, that is correct. Yeah. yeah. It's it, but man, you have no idea. You're 153 years old. <laughs> I've been podcasting for decades. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I almost want to say is like, watch the kills, even though they're not that great. And no, I don't know. They're I, fine, in the end, I just like kind of skip it. It's not the best thing in the world because in the end, it just becomes really boring. You know what? I would say watch the last 10 minutes and you're like, got it. That's about it. I'll, I'll tell you this. The Arrow put together a brand new cover for it that's fucking awesome. And I get it. Oh, really? Otherwise, you're never going to sell this fucking thing. Like, there's this beautiful oh, cover. Like? Uh, well, yeah, he's over there, kid. But you, you have to walk oh, over. Oh, I see. Yeah, it's a really cool cover. And oh, I was like, nice. oh man, that would make me want to pick it up, like, sight unseen. Like, yeah. Like, I've never seen it, but that looks great. Don't trust it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Arrow. Sorry, you Arrow. The baddie. You make so many good films. I mean, I get it. There's a, there's a niche group for everything in horror i have my own niches that like i like really like even the worst ghost movies like i like the remake of the haunting who likes the remake of the haunting i do sorry hey I'm it was, it was a time in american film history where we're like we're cool with owen wilson but you know what let's kill him a few times before he becomes a star <laughs> like anaconda I mean, the on, haunting knock his head off with a fucking fireplace thing oh, what so was sad. That? i hate that that happened to him i know i've made but it, he also gets eaten by an anaconda i just rewatched it recently because they put it out finally on like a better quality blue Blu-ray copy. Oh, I know. So I'm the weird. one guy saying that. I was like, I'm so excited. I have the haunting on a good copy, a new upgraded copy. I, I get it. The original is better, obviously. But sure. just, you know, I, and and um, uh, uh, Mike Flanagan's miniseries is the best version of all. But oh, it's wait. the same. The Haunting of Hill House. Oh, is it? Wait, I thought The Haunting was different, though. Well, The Haunting of Hill House is... Wait. No, that's different. No, no, no. It's the same thing. What? Yeah, that's the haunting. But I thought the haunting. The haunting of Mike, Mike Flanagan's version is a complete reworking of the story. I, oh, wait. So what about, uh, uh, the Je- uh, Jeffrey Rush one? What Jeffrey Rush one? The, the haunt, the haunting of, uh, Bly Manor? No, no, no. The Jeffrey Rush, the movie, the late night, like the. There's a movie called Jeffrey Rush? No, the. With Jeffrey Rush, the movie. Jeffrey Rush, the movie. <laughs> you like Shine? You will love this. Wait till you see him in Dune. So, uh, never mind. We'll talk about that off mic. <laughs> anyway, there's uh, multiple audio commentaries on here. Why? I don't know. Uh, there's, there's multiple? A, a podcast called The High Hysteria Continues, uh, which I would amu- uh, think would be a podcast about, like, turn of the century psychiatric medicine, but apparently not. Uh, and then there is a commentary with Charles Eisen and Worth Keeter moderated by Phil S- Smoot. I don't know who any of those people are, but if you do, Hey, kudos. There you go. Uh, all the fun of the score, the making of death, the making death screams, uh, which is a new produced piece with some interviews from people who were in it and worked on it. There's alternate VHS version opening titles. Oh, I did watch that. Did you? Was it, was there anything to it? I will say this. 
No. No. <laughs> you know, I felt like you were about to like say something like insightful here, and I, that was better. Yeah. Uh, there a bunch. You of know TV what? You know what it is? Like this looks like a crappy VHS version. Wait, yeah. what's different? Oh, wait, it nothing's different. It is. Wait, what? It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the yeah. same thing. Uh, there's a bunch of TV and radio spots in image galleries. Anyway, yeah, I think we both can agree this is our anti pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Do not do not watch this film. Uh, but we're going back to Kino again and going off of horror with uh, one of my other favorite little. I, I don't know if I'd call it a subgenre. I mean, I guess it is, which is sort of the the smirky spy sort of comedy. Well, it's you because you, I haven't seen the uh, the the Flint movies in like Flint. And you still have. I wish I had a. Co- I don't have a copy of them. If I did, I would be like. You literally have every before. movie ever made. And I, I, I keep waiting for Kino to re-release them. I'm like, where is the in like Flint movies? I I, I know. And the, the president's analyst. All I know, it's Austin Powers' favorite movie. Uh, oh yeah. But these, this movie next that we're about to talk about and the other movie. Masquerade. Masquerade. It is so, like, it actually, it took me a minute to really get into it. Cause the other one that we're going to talk about a little later, I was like, hook, line, and sinker. I was like, I was fucking hooked. And this one, it took a minute to get going. I was like, okay, I, I like that. I, this is fun. Cause it's the, the fish out of water American, uh, like ch- chiseled jaw, uh, yeah, Rob Cliff- Lowe with Meg Tilly. Oh, wait, that's the 1988 one. Sorry. What? They remade this? <laughs> no, no. There's a totally different... I'm sorry. There's oh. a probably better known now, not very good 1988 co- romantic mystery thriller film with Rob Lowe, Meg Tilly, Kim Cattrall, uh, oh, that was man. written by Dick Wolf. What? Yeah. Anyway, we're not talking dun, about dun. that. <laughs> exactly. Wow. That's crazy. I know. I kind of want to... I was like, accidentally hit on it. I was like, wait, what? what is this? I was like, reading it, I was like... You know, I might have seen this at some point in my life, but the fact that this has this cast and it's written by Dick Wolf, I kind of want to. I kind of want to see it. Now. Yeah, yeah, just to see if he wrote like fun, sexy dialogue. Well, the first one we're talking about is 1965's Masquerade, and of the two, we're going to talk about that basically fit into this weird little sort of subgenre. I think this is the lesser of the two. It's definitely the lesser too. Yeah, but it still has its charms, no question. It it's does. A uh, British comedy film directed by uh, Basil Dearden. Uh, on, based on the 1954 novel Castle Minerva, uh, okay. and both of these films, despite the other one being called Arabesque, this one also is an Arab-centric spy thriller type oh, film. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Which is weird. I was like, was that intentional, the release of these at the same time on Kino? Were they really, uh, well, maybe, but like, I, I think that maybe, uh, as a, for a British and American audience, we just didn't, like, know too too much or like we just didn't know that world very well well just you, yet you know what's really notable about this though what it was the first film that william goldman wrote what yeah i mean co- uh, see i thought it was him i was like wait is that the yeah, william goldman the i know william goldman yes exactly wow. yeah uh, so, uh, but he was like kind of called in because the writer they had at that point, Michael Rel- Ralph was like, couldn't crack it and called in his friend to help him. Wow. So it's like a co-written type Nicely of done. Cause but still it's- the first, at the very least the first time he's credited as writing. Wow. It's, it's sharp. It's fun. I mean, it's about like Cliff Robertson who plays, I guess he was in the Uncle military. Ben. Uncle, he plays Uncle Ben. Uh, <laughs> he dies a lot in this movie. Um, and, but he, um. I guess he's like playing sort of an actor, but it's th- in the background. There is this, uh, it's almost like MI6 where these like these hoity toity b- British spies who are trying to basically in a very convoluted way, uh, trying to 
extort money out of like a, 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 an Arab nation uh-huh. uh, by basically Britain wants oil drilling rights. Yeah, that's in, right. In yeah. this country, and the country doesn't want it, and so um, like basically the guys <coughs> from Britain like hire a you know a badass war buddy. Which is Cliff Robertson. Or so an outsider. Yeah. To kidnap the, the teenage son of the country's prince. This is supposed to get resumption of talks in here. Um, uh, and of course things doesn't go away what it's going. The guy's really loyal to his friend, but, um, ultimately it kind of, like there's a sort of like, but I have ethics. He's like, really? At this point you have ethics. Right. Are, are you, are you serious? And I, I don't know, man. This is like, it's got like all the stuff that from a 70s, 60s jump bond film, like gorgeous locations, beautiful yeah. women, lots of funny one liners. It's just so fucking convoluted. It's, it's a lot more convoluted. I mean, well, arabesque <clears throat> is also super convoluted, super convoluted. But like what I love about arabesque more is that it, it had so many double crosses that I, I was just like, I'm just in for the ride now. Here it was just a little bit diff, a little bit more difficult to kind of like, catch on like what was actually going on but i did like about it is that um cliff robertson he's a lot more of like kind of an action star in Mm -hmm. in a very traditional sense where he's you know doing some action scenes he uh he gets knocked out a lot he gets knocked out a lot (laughs) and 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 that's what i love about both of these movies is that they're not like superheroes like they get like beat up yeah and like but he's always like well, what do you say, baby? Hey, hey. Yeah, there's a few times it's like, really? It's like, this is the time to make out right now. I, I mean, like, I'm, I probably have three concussions, but <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> uh, but I do love like some of the bad guys in, in the movie and like, and it's, it's, it's really fun. And I think that, um, I had more of a good time than I didn't. Yeah. But I am glad that I saw. Arabesque first. I did too. Because yeah. I think it's so far the better film. Yeah. And we're going to very quickly just move to that because there's not a lot of the way extra features here. It just, it just takes like a minute to get kick into second gear for, yeah. for Masquerade. I mean, I think if you like this genre of film, this is like a minor like footnote of a film in it, yeah. but one that's still well worth seeing. Mm-hmm. It is not a shitty film. Mm-mm. It's just... They try to put too much into it, mm-hmm. which I think is also true of Arabesque. They, they tried to cram way too much into it. But... Now let's talk about Arabesque. Oh my God. Which I, I, despite honestly being confused as fuck at points about what was actually happening in the plot. Yeah. I mean, the leads of this film it are, are, just, are Gregory Peck and Sophie, Sophia Loren, whoa. who are just dripping with fucking charisma and charm, even though Peck is playing like a scholarly character who's the fish out of water in this. He's and basically yet, playing and, like Bobo Indiana Jones, but like pre-Indiana well, Jones. He's doing, like, once again, you haven't seen The President's Analyst with James oh. Mason, but he's yeah. kind of doing that, where he's this guy who's like very, very smart. And he's immediately adapts to any situation and women find him very sexy, but this isn't what he does. And he's like, I don't want to be here. And that's kind of with the role that Peck is playing here is feel Loren is like the sultry seductress that you're not sure what side she's on. And to top it off, this is all directed by Stanley Donan, who previous to this had made the straight up masterpiece of this genre charade. Yeah. So, or charade. Charade. Didn't he also do uh, singing in the rain? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like this. I mean, he's done a lot of great films, but I'm just yeah. saying, like, immediately prior to this, right. it was like a, one of the classics of the genre that I remember when I first saw it. I just thought it was a Hitchcock film. I was like, well, this is totally a Hitchcock film. I mean, it's even so this- good and feels like one. And this is was marketed in that way. Yeah. And is clearly going that direction. It just doesn't succeed as much as 
Sh- charade. Charade. But man, this is shot to hell and back too. Like this, this is so well done. And I, 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 was... I want to hear you describe the plot. I really do. Oh no. No, you can't look at any notes. You just have to tell me okay. what is the plot. So wrong. Wait, <laughs> no. Gregory Peck is an uh, an archaeologist, or or he's a historian of some kind, right? Yeah, he's a hieroglyphics expert. There you go. He is called in to purposely help uh, a um like an ambassador or someone from uh, like Iraq or something. Well, like first that. he's like, look, um, another guy goes, "You're going to help me, or else." Oh, this like hieroglyphic like note or something, like, or just like you got to tell me what the translation. Because we is. see another guy like attack and kill his predecessor in his yeah. job, which that scene was fucking awesome. Yeah, like every scene in this is so good. And steal like this note that's written in hieroglyphics, and then he's like, "Uh, fuck, it's in hieroglyphics." So he's yeah. like, "Hey, I wonder if you'd help me, or else." Yeah, and then he's called by. The good guys to help him. Arguably the good guys. Arguably we the don't good know. guys. You don't know. A, a shake. Which back, it not, like, if it was not, past 1980, you'd know he was the bad, you'd go, oh, he's the bad guy. Right. But at this point, it was like, well, we were uh, really like uh, inarguably allies with uh, Saudi Arabia at that right. point. So it was like, okay. So he, he then, this is very difficult. So like, he, I was like, well, you, you need to, um, keep trying. It's fine. Okay. He need to go along with what the hell they're doing because we can't, we need to keep up this ruse that we're on the bad guy's side or something like that. It's something like that. It's, it is so back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. They go like, uh, I know he approached you and you knew you could tell it was a bad deal and yeah. you didn't want to get involved, but we need you to do it. And I mean, I think the key is that Gregory Peck is like, the the person that approaches him is this very famous i mean not in real life but in the history the 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 fiction of the film like a very well-known diplomat from the middle east and he's like i deeply admire this man i think he is a great leader and and uh, a peace negotiator right, it's like yeah. i really like this guy and i trust him automatically and that's kind of key to everything after of going it is like, because like you you're so you're immediately trusting with like the character of Gregory Peck because he's such like an upstanding guy. So you're like, oh, well, I trust him, so I trust his judgment. Right. Uh, but he doesn't always make the best <clears throat> choices. And there's a lot, a lot of convoluted, very confusing shit that goes on. But it's I, like at the end, I had to go back to Wikipedia and read it to go like, wait, who was on whose side and what? Cause this is such a complicated, a series of like switchbacks and betrayals D- and, and doppelgangers and just yeah. like I I just oh yeah double ga- doppelgangers I yeah. forgot about that part I'm like there's just so much shit like that going on but it's never not fun because is, of the charm of all the leads it is just, it is one hysterical uh, it's actually pretty damn funny because everyone ha- it I was thinking about this the entire time like. How in the living hell has Steven Soderbergh not remade this movie oh, with George to- Clooney? Totally. And uh, I don't know. Catherine Zeta Jones. Yeah. Well, she's a little old for that now. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but, not, not that this should, should be looked at the, the, that but just way. Like Steven Soderbergh. She's needs probably to the same age this. as Clooney, but like, right. but the way Hollywood works, it'd right. be like somebody 20 years younger than Clooney. Right. Saying, but know? like, it's just, it, it's perfect for like to be remade, even though it'd be, uh, a eh, little, uh, uh, not that great uh, now. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't uh, know. But you'd have to change the kind. Con- we have to be like, oh, they're from Croatia or something, right? Yeah, it just, it, it just, it would be so much fun and like cute and f- and funny and like even the bad guy, yeah. uh, who's the 
ambassador. He is just, he's dripping with charisma as well. Like, I, I couldn't wait for him to get back on this, uh, in a scene just to see him like, just like slither his way through something. And cause he is actually kind of intimidating when he is always, cause his, I guess, girlfriend or wife sort of mm-hmm. is so- Sophia Loren. Well, yeah, they're, ne- they're, it's his girlfriend, but. Oh, he's almost, staying in the house. Almost a that she owns. Yeah. It's like, and he's like, oh, well, she's my girlfriend. That's why I'm staying here. Almost immediately, it's established that she is not cool with the situation. Yeah. But it never stops making you guess what her loyalties are. Yeah. Is she lying? Is she like, I mean, and They're, that's the best part of this whole movie is yeah. that you never know up until the very end whose side Sophia Loren is actually on. Yeah. And she's like, oh, yeah. And it's like a total crazy, like, uh, I mean, she's Sophia Loren. She's one of the sexiest women who's ever been in film. Yeah. And she is just playing it to the hilt here of that and using it in the service of the story and it works it does and the uh god there's like a really tense scene i remember when uh he's like trying to like pick out shoes for her or something like that it's like like going shot because he's they're all extremely wealthy and like it's this really tense scene where as it, it's such great dramatic irony uh, where we know that she knows that she's double crossing him, but he has a feeling that she is double crossing him. And we're all just like, holy shit, what the fuck is, it's like the bomb under the table thing. It's like, what the fuck is about to happen here? And not to mention a great Henry Mancini soundtrack as yeah. well. Uh, and by the way, the all, uh, Lorenz outfits were created by legendary French fashion designer Christian Dior. Specifically for the film. And that scene you're talking about where she's going off of those boxes with uh, shoes was a setup where she kind of admitted, I think this character should wear more shoes. And they had to like sort of write around that. And but it's a really it so funny, well. it's a really funny scene. It's a really funny scene, but like it's written so well at the same time. Like it's, it just feels like a movie that shouldn't have worked because of how convoluted it was. But it does. But it, like, again, with it's the, again, some of these like great, even movie stars that exist today, but like with them sp- in particular with Gregory Peck and Sophia Loren, like they could have just been spouting nonsense. I would have just been like, this is uh, fantastic. This it, is so much fun. You see, I don't think this is one of the all time bests of this subgenre, but it's one of those like almost all time bests. Yeah. It's like right underneath the classics. It's not one of the classics because it's overly convoluted. There's, there's so much going on that I don't care how close attention you're paying, paying to it. You'll be like, wait, hold on. What? Like it doesn't get through this super complex plot in a way where you can totally follow it, but it doesn't matter as much because it is just filled with charm. It's filled with sexiness. It's filled with funny one liners. Mm -hmm. It's filled with Gregory Peck and Sophia Loren being awesome. So pretty good. Uh, Kino put out a bunch of promotional materials of old classic like trailers, um, uh, uh, poster galleries. There's a brand new commentary recorded by critics, Howard S. Berger, Steve Mitchell and Nathaniel Thompson talking about the film. There's music by Mancini, which is an archival featurette with Henry Mancini talking about this. And then a reversible cover with vintage poster art. Well, we're going to move way up in time to a, I can't imagine anyone disliking this film classic, 1994's adaptation of the Stephen King novella Rita Hayworth and the Shawshank Redemption, The Shawshank Redemption, directed by Frank Darabont, who at that point was kind of the go-to guy to do a Stephen King adaptation. And I believe to date... Stephen King still thinks this is the best adaptation of his work. I think so. I, I mean, was he the go-to? Because per- I think he did just a like a lot of um, 
like TV and like anthology stuff beforehand. Well, he done a lot of stuff. Uh, he was a screenwriter primarily for like he did Nightmare on Elm Street three, Dream mm-hmm. Warriors, and he did the remake of The Blob, which is deeply underrated. It's by fun. the way, and The Fly two, which is also deeply underrated. He did the Fly two, which is also uh, to be clear, nowhere near as good as The Fly one, no, yeah, which yeah. is Cronenberg. What are you going to do? But yeah. you know, The Fly two is pretty fucking good. Uh, but as a director, yeah, he did The Green Mile and The Mist, which are both. Really good Stephen King adaptation. Fantastic. Although I realize The Mist is one of those that divides people because when it gets to the end, people are like, I really wanted everything to be okay. <laughs> and then well, even Stephen King is like, that's not how my book ended. Yeah. And he made it way worse. And I'm like, that is fucking Stephen well, King. Well, way worse in the sense that way better. Because <laughs> King better. Yeah, totally exactly. was like, yeah, I did not have that. He had a, I don't know what happens More next. of like ambiguous ending. Yeah. And this was like, oh shit, ending. I loved it. I remember coming out I like, loved wow, this. that was exactly how to end this thing. And, and I remember half the critics were like, I'm so mad at this film. Really? Yeah. Have you seen the black and white version of it? Yeah. Oh my God. It's Dude, so good. I love the mist. Yeah, it's, it's I even fantastic. tried the, uh, tried watching the TV series, which was, uh, it's supposed to be really bad. I mean, it starts strong and then it gets really bad really fast. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, how did you fuck that up? I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know how anyone could have fucked that up because it's such a primo idea for a running television series. I'm like, yeah. wow. And yet they fucked it up. Anyway. The Shawshank Redemption, which is not a horror adaptation, is one of Stephen King's few uh, decidedly Dramas? not horror films, is so widely beloved that I think for like 30 years it was on, it was number one on IMDb yeah. of audience Is it rankings. not still? It, I don't know if it still is. I think not. it is. It might be. I mean, it is great. And here's the good news. You rewatch it and it fucking holds up a hundred percent. It is still a deeply involved. I mean, it's, you know, the meme of like, everybody says, Oh, who would narrate your life? Well, obviously Morgan Freeman, Morgan Freeman. That's from this. Yeah. That's because you're like, he's kind of the narrator and you're like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's because like, he's the greatest possible person who could ever do that. And Tim Robbins, who I love from so many films. I can't even begin to, I mean, Jacob's ladder is like arguably my favorite horror film of all time. And really? He, yeah, and he plays the lead in that. I know, yeah. No, I mean, not the remake. I've still not seen it, because I don't want to... Oh, I, I, yeah. I wanna, the guy from Power or something Apparently, like it's fucking terrible. Yeah, I heard that. I'm yeah. like, I don't want to even... I forgot they remade that. I was like, why? It's not like they can make a sequel <laughs> to the original, <laughs> you know? It would be like, what dreams may come. <laughs> Jacob Ladders. <laughs> yeah, I like, I... I don't even know. Do we, is there a point in even describing what the plot is to this? Cause if you don't know what the Shawshank Redemption is, you know, I'd like, I, I huh? think that, let's, let's talk about the feelings that we get from this. So I, I get now from being an, an I mean, older it, man. It's on 4K now is it's why I should say that, why we're that's covering the, the cool thing about Finally this. put out on 4K. It's, it's beautiful and you forget how, uh, I, I try to watch this like once every couple of years or so, just to feel like it's it's just so much like warmest blanket of a movie because oh yeah you, you also but not trickly right but like what's what's interesting is that you know the movie is still very intense and and uh, you know horribly horrific in times and uh, like everything from uh, uh, what's his face the the guard uh, the bad guy um, I forget his name the guy who plays uh, uh, Mr. Krabs in uh, SpongeBob. Uh, Kelsey Brown. <laughs> yeah. And, um, that's how I was like, oh, I, yeah, I'm like, Mr. Krabs. Your, your, your thought is that and not the bad guy from fucking Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> or Pet Cemetery 2. Or Pet Cemetery 2. Uh, no, Mr. Well, Krabs. No, no one would go to Pet Cemetery 2. <laughs> no one would do that. So, 
it's like there's a lot of horrific things in this, but man, it's uh what, what I really loved about this uh this uh the 4K release is that I watched the um this like retrospect i think it was like a few years or like years later uh they got all the cast together and to uh interview them about their experience and what they thought about it and man it's it's really cool of how much they just were in love with the idea i think it's one of those lightning in a bottle movies where they they all knew they all knew it was like this is something something special something special that yeah. is going to last forever which I loved how this like interviewed documentary of sorts. It actually ends with like, it was nominated for 80 Academy Awards and it won none. Yeah. I mean, it lost best picture to Forrest Gump, which well, yeah. I am not shitting on Forrest Gump. I honestly really enjoy Forrest I, Gump. I do enjoy Forrest but Gump. In the way that both these films are feel good type of movies, that one is triacly. You know, which is fine if it's done well, and it is. This is not. This has a darkness to it, but a very, like, it not earns good- it, and it earns the ending that yeah. it has. And, like, the ending will always make me fucking cry. This is decidedly a better film than Forrest Gump, oh, for yeah. my money. And, like, the, you still get it. Uh, I mean, if you, if you haven't watched Shawshank Redemption, I don't know what rock you live under, but, like, the, <laughs> The, I mean, if you haven't watched it yet, what are you doing? Stop <laughs> listening to this and go. Like, just watch it's it. It's one of the greatest American films ever, ever made. made. Yeah. And the, there, there's nothing like the ending of, uh, of Morgan Freeman's character who's been in prison for, I don't know, 40 years and getting out, finding, you know, the, the note from his friend, Andy. And then I'm actually getting choked up thinking about it. I know, right? And, uh, and then, Knowing is like, I, I, like, it's the first time in his, in his life that he's, like, truly felt free and that he wants to, like, see the, the ocean, like, how it, it blew in his dreams he thinks it is. He's like, I just can't wait to see my friend. I'm actually getting choked up. And, like, it's so good. And, like, the ending of how, like, they embrace each other, it's fucking fantastic. And there's a lot of bonus features on here that are really good. Unfortunately, they're just, you know, coming over from the blu-ray previous release mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they're solidly made i mean there's like over an hour like like hour and a half or so of bonus features that are really solid little documentaries oh, shit more like two hours and a commentary by frank darabont so i mean if you don't have the previous edition and you have a 4k player and you're trying to like build your collection okay this is everything from the last one it actually includes that blu-ray you know yeah. in case you're like thinking about upgrading to 4k and haven't done it yet it's like, <laughs> well shit go ahead and do it yeah and and like, why wouldn't you for this particular, uh, film? Uh, and this is the first time it's got a lossless Dolby True HD 5.1 track here. So it's like the best audio that it, you're going it, to get. It truly, it sounded film. great. I have a 5.1 surround sound and it was fucking fantastic sounding. Uh, and the transfer visually is, I thought it was flawless. It was just, it's just perfect. Like, it's as good as you'd want it to be. The only thing I can say about this at all that's shitty is that there's so many, like, companies that, the big companies when they're like, this is one of our premier titles, and we're going to release it in a premier format, and do like, like, I just loaned you, because your wife wanted to see Amadeus, right? Right. And they, the Blu-ray release, it was like full booklet, and all the shit, and it was like, wow, this is how you do that. You have like this big fucking like elaborate fold open the case release this is just bare bones as far as the physical stuff goes. yeah it's it's you know we don't talk about that actually too much at least so far on this but like the actual presentation of the the 4k is still kind of like the 
the little cardboard like slip on thing. Yeah, it's just a slip case and yeah. then a regular like and and not like a a boring cover. Like why not just use the original? Once again, for the billionth time, people who like physical media either use the original fucking poster art or use what's his face. Uh, who did the the poster art for? Wait, uh, or use a a new artist that's doing some new rendition of something that's cool. Don't just use a generic still from the movie. Right, you will sell so many more copies of your uh, of your uh, physical media it, to people who are going. Oh, I love this cover. This cover is just dull. It's really bland because they're both like. Ugh. Yeah. Like, that's, uh, that's really, this like, sucks. He's like, yeah, we're in jail. It's fucking jail. It's, it's, it's jail. I apologize to anyone who hadn't seen this. You're like, what is it about? Sorry. Go it's, watch it. Go watch. Like, there, there's, it's about prison and how awful it is. Buckle up. And, and Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman are the best they've ever been in their entire career. And no one won yeah. anything. I'll, I'll still go with seven for Morgan Freeman for personally. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, seven is like, one of the darkest, most satisfyingly horrific experiences you will ever have. I remember I saw that movie in the theater and I could not move. I, it's one of the few times in my life that I felt paralyzed at the end of that movie. I was so shocked and like taken aback. Like I saw it opening night and I was like just completely well, devastated as by an it. old man I was just in 1995, of, you must have been just shocked to your core. <laughs> I was just kind of crying and like, I was there on like an early date with a girl and she was just crying. Wait, you were on a date? No, but she loved the same shit I did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like we were on the same page. I made a very <laughs> fatal mistake with a fatal. That's, that's, that's are you dead intense. now? Are you a ghost? <laughs> no, but I made ghost, a very bad mistake where I was right. like, I was dating someone who was of Russian descent and I was like, let's watch Eastern Promises. <laughs> mistake. Uh, how Russian was she? Uh, she was from Russia. I mean, like recently. Yeah, I mean, she, yeah, she's from Moscow. All right, das All right, uh, let's move on to our next one. In the Heights. I was sad I wasn't on the review for this one because I, first off, really, really, really love Lin-Manuel Miranda. He I is one too. of those, like, recently big in the public perception celebrities that I just would love to give a big bear hug to and mm-hmm. go, you, sir, are awesome. I love you. I love every time I see you do an interview, I want to watch it because you're just charming and wonderful. You are great. I'm kind of like standing you all over the place. And I admit, Hamilton, when I finally saw it, which was just on Disney Plus, mm-hmm. fucking floored me. I-, I went, wow, this is just as good as everybody said it was. Right disagrees. I- He's wrong, but he disagrees. <laughs> <laughs> Look. I thought you said you liked musicals, right? I do. Uh-huh. I love musicals. Mm. I don't. Okay, I love musicals, but I actually like watching them live. I actually, like watching. No, the of musicals. course, okay. I'd much rather see them live. I think, like, and we watched Hamilton on Christmas as everyone else did because you know the world was on fucking fire. Yeah, but um, I think that um, I don't like watching his stuff live action. Okay. I, I kind what, of like. I mean, until, uh, like, oh yeah, okay. So I, I think it, I, I think I, I would enjoy it more if I was actually there well, at the theater. I don't want to be like, let's turn this into a review of the version of Hamilton, but sure, sure. But I thought they did. I feel like the same having, way. Having watched a lot of like, we're trying to do a version of this, filming the stage play, and make it work. That was pretty much the best 
thing I've ever seen of that, where they would like put so much effort into it. I really sure. thought they yeah. kind of nailed it. Yeah. And I was like, this obviously wouldn't be as good as seeing it live, which, you know, if anybody out there wants to buy me a ticket to see it live when it's in Austin, please, I'll go with you. Right. We'll make out. It'll be fine. My wife will be okay with it as long as she gets a <laughs> ticket too. We'll be good. So It'll I don't care. If, only a thousand dollars per ticket. I don't care what your gender identity is. <laughs> 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 At this point, I'm like, I'm up for anything. Come on, baby. It's Hamilton. Get the most like workmanlike hand job of your life. <laughs> Pretend like it's John Adams. Let's go. <laughs> but anyway, so this was written pre Hamilton in the Heights yes. uh, for Broadway. It was very, very, very well received in the theater. However, this new version directed by John M. Chu, who did uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which obviously did massive numbers. Yep. And I, to my surprise, I actually kind of liked, because I remember seeing the trailer going, I'm so dreading seeing this fucking thing. It looks so boring romantic drama, and I hate romantic dramas, generally speaking. Sure. With a few exceptions, but I'm like, oh, that's just the, my least favorite genre. So, like, yeah, it's, I mean, it's corny, but it's charming. Yeah. And has great cast in it. If you have except charming for, and good actors, except it'll win you over. Except for the fucking lead romantic guy who I still think is just a block of Asian wood. Oh, is it like the, the, the British guy? Yeah. the, the oh, Henry uh, Golding. Yeah. I, I'm like, I still don't... I get it. He's super good looking. He's so boring. I, I don't get it. He just seems... Like, he was fun in The Gentleman. Was he? I'm trying to give him some credit, okay? Okay, fair enough, right? I appreciate it. You're always trying to, like, get for, trying, go for the I'm underdog trying, here. Anyway... This is very different in some ways. It's still yeah, a big Lin musical. Lin-Manuel Miranda needs to be taken down a peg or two. <laughs> That's what I'm here he for. He does not. <laughs> he needs nothing but our support. Uh, and, you know, I don't like this as much as Hamilton. No. I don't think it's anywhere near as good as Hamilton no. uh, on multiple levels. No. But, uh, A, I'm not a, a person of Latino descent. And this is decidedly pointed at the culture and community of Latino descent. Because, ultimately, this isn't a plot this is a collection of tiny subplots that are all gathered together to have big songs. There's no main plot to this film. Yeah, it's like a, it's almost like a, an open world musical where it's just like things are happening and they sing about it and that's about it. And I, I mean, there's a bunch of romantic shit going on. There's man, a bunch of like, uh, gentrification type things going on. Yeah. The, there's literally everything you would expect with the story of a bunch of Latinos in New York City in this period of time that are, you know, in a big musical, but it's really about joy. And I kind of, that's what I liked most about it was like the joy of community, the joy of connecting. Oh, yeah, yeah. A and there's so many fucking characters in this movie. Holy shit. This movie's got a huge cast of people. I mean, it's the same thing with like Hamilton. Like it, it makes sense that he, he writes really, I, I will, I will give, I'm giving credit. I have no room to give credit to Melinda Manuel Miranda. Yeah. Like, Melinda Miranda is like, whoo, that was a close one. Yeah, I was, I was really <laughs> trying to make sure the right Sulek was okay with me, but now he said, okay, fine. Um, he, <laughs> fucking asshole. So like, he great, he writes really great ensemble pieces. This, I, uh, I don't know if it like, it works really well on film. Like, I, I find it, it's it's really unfortunate that um it was released during uh, the pandemic, right? Mm -hmm. And it's just like, well, uh, it was excuse my language, but fuck to begin with. And I think in the end also it wasn't as 
like I think again it would have been so electric to see on stage because there's a lot of things that they do that I know would have been really interesting and fun to see like at a, at yeah. a practical level. I mean it won four Tonys and was nominated for 13. Right. So I can only presume that like and a lot of that it's so different where it's like you know your experience is very different in a play with the blocking and the way they arrange stuff where you're amazed by the way they make things work, exactly. especially if it has a huge cast. And, and all like the, the practical sounds that they're making, yeah. uh, like just all the things I think it would have been so much more visceral on stage to where here, I don't mean to say that the film, actually filming it cheapens it, but it feels like it in a way. And I was a little disengaged with it. And I thought, oddly, I was slightly bored. Uh, and I, uh, but I will say like that everyone in this is gorgeous. Uh, like, well, uh, largely, I mean, even the elderly people are fucking gorgeous. Well, she is like one of the original cast members too. The, like the, the grandmother. Yeah. Uh, she was amazing. I love that. Like the scene, the, the, you're, not you're, you're talking about, um, uh, maybe Olga, Olga. Marides? I don't know. Shit. What are you talking about? Olga Mar- Marides? Uh, I don't remember her name. Uh, yeah. She was in the original uh, Broadway musical, she, yeah. which she got a no- nomination for best performance in, uh, by a featured actress. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, also Melissa Barrera. Yeah. Who plays the sort of love interest to the arguably main character, Anthony Ramos. Yeah. Uh, R- Ramos? Ramos? R- Ramos. Okay. Um, who is a Mexican actress and singer who did a bunch of telenovelas and what have you, but then did some Netflix stuff. Um, uh, she is great. I think he is great. They have like, they're dripping with sexual chemistry together. Oh yeah. No question. And there's one of those sort of like, will it work? Will it not work? But even with all that, I found myself going, you know, I just, I'm not that involved in anyone's stories. Thank you. But. I thought all the songs and the dancing were tremendous. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the 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 dance choreography was fantastic. Uh, like, yeah, I even was, like the ladies from uh, the the hairstylist place, mm-hmm. like that was really fun. I loved all of them. I, I was totally in on all of those production levels. I just yeah. and I was totally in. I thought everybody's a good actor in this. Yeah, uh, but. I, you know, it's weird to say because I, I know the play is so well received, but ultimately all the stories and again, emphasizing that I am not part of Latino culture and this is so deeply entrenched in the experiences of Latino culture and celebrating those things. I had a hard time identifying with it. Maybe I don't know. I went, okay. It's just that there is no real main story. There's no driving sure. plot it's just a bunch of tiny stories in a community the 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 star is the community you know and the idea of we should all come together yeah and that's fine i i just i don't know it's super long too it's fucking long goddamn yeah, it, movie it is it, it, it i mean so is hamilton too but like yeah but hamilton i never felt the length I'm, this at 143 minutes i was like i'm really enjoying this but i'm ready for it to be over <laughs> yeah, I like th- this more so than Hamilton, but like even with Hamilton, I was like, okay, when is he gonna fucking shoot him? Uh, and so, like I, th- there, there are a few times in both of these where it's just like, this is it's not overstaying its welcome. It's like you're still charming as hell, but I'm like you, it is eleven o'clock at night. You should leave. Uh, and I, I don't know. I, I don't. Oh, the cat snoring. That's what it is. Oh, sorry. Is the cat snoring on I you? I was like, like, what, what is, is that, that sound? Noise? Um, that's really cute. Uh, so, so I'm getting, <laughs> anyway, in the heights, I think that, um, 
honestly, just go watch Hamilton. <laughs> like, I don't know what else to say about it. I think that, uh, I mean, everyone in it is like, is fine. And I think the story is, is pretty good. But like, in the end, I don't think it's like really wowing any, like anyone in the end. And, um, and I mean, I honestly say I'll never watch it again. Um, I probably will because I love musicals. And I think when this is being a musical, which it is for Morbid's Earning Time, that's not, it's kind of glorious. It's fun. It's bright. It's largely well shot. It's nothing groundbreaking. Uh, but the, the cast is delightful. It just, I wish I had more of an involvement in the story, sure. but like full, I mean, this is, like I said, Lin-Manuel Miranda's, this was his big break where he was like, I'm not throwing away my shot. I'm All going right. Scrappy and uh, that's hungry. the end of a digital noise. Uh... <laughs> no, it's not. We have more. <laughs> Sorry. I know you don't want to, I know you don't want to keep going Oh, because the last thing we have to talk about was a film you're totally wrong about. I'm not, I, I liked it okay. No, you're totally wrong about it. I liked it We're okay. talking about F9, Fast and the Furious 9. He's Is on that the, what we call it? F9? Yeah, he's on the like review. a bunch of assholes? Well, that's what they called it. Yeah, oh, it's F9. Assholes. Also known as F9 colon The Fast Saga. Okay, now and I internationally as Fast and the Furious 9, which felt like they should have just called it Fast and the Furious 9, quite frankly. Oh, why, yeah, because that's what it is. Yeah. Now, uh, directed by uh, Justin Lin. Yes. Who has been previously on this film for, uh, Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift. And what was the other one? He did, uh, five and six. He did, uh, six. Yeah. He did six. And he also did Star Trek Beyond, which is deeply underrated Star Trek. I haven't seen that because I don't care. What? What? You're not the person I thought you were. You already know I haven't watched any of Star Trek shit except for like the new movies. And you see that block right up there? That whole giant wing of my house. It starts, it says Star Wars stuff. Star Wars? No, that's just Star Trek. Star Trek? That's entirely Star Trek. Star Star Trek. God damn it. You're making me do it now. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Uh, I know that reference. That's from episode five, Empire Strikes Back. You do know that Trek, Trek is better than Wars, right? Look, I've always, ex- I, I've always thought this. Star Trek is for smart people. Star Wars is for fun people. <laughs> I wish you could see my face right now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> like it's, I'm only saying that because it's 100 percent correct. It can uh, be, it can be both with Star Trek, not with Star really. Wars. Really? Yes. Because I know everyone I know who you don't, loves Star you don't Trek, think, you don't think and none Roth, of y'all have fun. You don't think Roth... Really? You don't think I have fun? <laughs> All right. That's it. Well, that was Wright's last episode of Digital Noise. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you enjoyed him. <laughs> Send him sympathy cards. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. We reviewed this at length and, like, really at length and, like, argued about... Uh, this was Longer long than the movie review. itself. Like, we did a long review for this. It wasn't. We we I cut it, like, you should have seen my editing time. It was insane. Like, I, I had to cut it from, like, 40 minutes to, like, 20 You should something. have seen my editing time for Justice League, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, goddammit. It was an hour and a half review, cut down to 30 minutes, and you gave me shit for it. Did that really happen? It really did. You cut an hour and a half to 30 minutes? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone hey, anybody here who wants to see the original hour and a half version of it, contact right. <laughs> I'm sure it's, it's on his computer somewhere. You know what's funny about that? That review is also like, I, I am a completely lost because I have no idea what the hell is going on with like all the lore of DC shit and everyone else is like super geeky on the review. Oh, I'm like, the guy. I, I didn't watch the new, I didn't watch the Justin, uh, Joss Whedon one because I didn't care about it again. So I watched this and uh, that was about it. I like this. Okay. 
Oh God, we're still talking about it for another hour. Why do you think that like now with all the new Marvel stuff, we're like, we're only doing local reviews, even if it's a digital online, the the Disney plus, because we want to get a local crew that can totally geek out and is like, knows every fucking obscure, tiny detail. So you're not allowed to be be on that shit. You can't be on those reviews. Because then I can just talk about it. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, exactly. You can't be on those reviews now. You've officially blanked yourself. All right. So fast nine. Uh, lots of flashbacks, which a lot of people always been like, what was Vin Diesel like as a child? Okay. No one was like that, but you know, it's still here anyway. Hey, he was family. He was it, 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 always. And of course, like all of them, it's family. This is doing what they all do. It's upping the stakes. It's upping the ridiculousness. This was your first Fast and the Furious. It film was my first see. Fast and Nine. For me, it is or Fast decidedly the not, not the first. In fact, the only one. I hadn't seen in order as they came out was Tokyo Drift. I didn't even watch that until like two years ago. Oh, yeah. First time I ever saw it, I was like, I heard it was terrible. And two was so bad. I was like, I don't want to watch anymore. Is that these. Too Fast, Too Furious? No. Yeah. Too Fast, Too Furious. It's, I mean, it's terrible, but it's laughably terrible. We at the time called it the greatest gay action movie ever made. Not dismissively. It was just like the Tyrese Gibson and Paul Walker were like constantly sweaty hugging each other and stuff. And, and it was Patrick like, Swayze and Keanu Reeves were just like, exactly. it was like, it. It was like, God damn it. It was like the point break equivalent of yeah, yeah. And with the first movie was just a remake of Point Break, like flat out a remake of Point Break. It's funny. I'm looking at the Blu-ray.com review for this. Like the best movie in the series is the first one. I'm like, no, it's not. You're so wrong. That is a fun movie, but it is flat out a remake of Point Break, which is the better of the two films. Right. First off, uh, the best movie in the series arguably is seven where it finally coalesces the goofiness to the family stuff to everything and it hasn't quite gone completely over the shark you know i if you if this was a video podcast you my eyebrows left my skull no it's still over the shark but it's not completely over the shark over the shark i haven't heard that jumped over the shark jumped the shark i know yeah Yeah. but i mean that's what i'm saying jump the shark but i'm like shortening it i mean it's (laughs) This is my first, and I, I'm assuming now it's going to be really funny if I ever do watch any of the other movies. I'm going to be kind of flabbergasted of how quaint they are because this is so insane. But there's so much, dude. There's so many things you're missing if you're not watching. So many intricacies. Oh my like, god! Honestly, look, this series is dumb. It's fun. It's ridiculous. And I love that it takes itself both seriously and not seriously at the same time. Yeah. And you missed so much of the joy of it by not having watched them all. I don't think I missed the joy of it because I still had a good time. Like, look, I don't hate this movie. No, I'm Again, not saying you do. I'm just saying you missed a, a type of joy that was consistent with having watched each chapter of this play out as they came out. Sure. I... I know you're cynical. In, in a way, I feel highly doubtful of that. But no, I, it, everyone who's a fan will say, no, Chris is right. You, you know what? Everyone who's a fan of this, go fuck yourself. I don't care. <laughs> Here uh, we go. Because Here we go. I don't necessarily want to go back and watch these because it seems like a fucking chore. No, nah, it's so fun. Oh, I, I, I'm going to, for my for my 60th birthday, which is... Folks, is it like two years from now? Well, um, <laughs> I mean, technically it was three... 150 years ago <laughs> still um you know for my in vampire quote, years 60th birthday <laughs> god i'm gonna have to move somewhere and reinvent myself again soon <laughs> everyone's always like you look like you're like 35 or something i'm like 
Shit, it's time. It's time. <laughs> <laughs> Back to Romania. Uh, but yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm going to a marathon and like make it like, well, if you want to stand one of us, you got to sit through all nine movies. Oh, what's that? That's <laughs> not. I would never do that. I if would... everyone wants to do a review of me, they have to all watch a Serbian film. To... God damn it. No, I've never seen a Serbian film. You haven't? It's a I'm not treat. going to. Stop. Okay. Uh, there is, with the Blu-ray release of this and the 4K release, there's a gag reel, which I had a lot of fun with, everybody playing around, uh, F9 All In, which is nine-part supplement of really kind of extensive every detail of the making of this film thing, oh, which God. some of which are really fun. I didn't watch that. Uh, there is a uh, look at the practical stunt work, practically fast. There is shifting priorities, which is looking at look, specifically the family aspects on this that re- regard to Vin Diesel and his real life family and how that a- has affected the making of these films. There's a feature I won't say the name of that has to do with a returning character in case you haven't seen this. Oh, There's a God. day on the set with Justin Lin, the director uh, there's John Cena, supercar super fan, which I admit I couldn't get all the way through. Like, I really like Jane, John Cena, but as much as I love the Fast and the Furious series, car fetishism I don't get bores it. the shit out of me. See, that's the thing is like, I guess I was immediately turned off by this entire series. Like, I, I don't care about cars. Like, I, I like them in the same way I like cars in James Bond films. I'm like, wow, look at that crazy fucked up car doing crazy fucked up things. Oh. But the moment someone's like, well, you know, really, this is a V6 and how it would work is like, oh, see, like that sh- stuff. Like, there. Sh- maybe that's maybe that's my interest where it goes. But like, I've always viewed cars like, man, if it has AC and a good sound system, yeah. sign me up. What do the seats feel like? Are they comfortable? Yeah. Like, I just want to sit okay and drive for three What's hours. That's the fine. gas economy. That's all you have to I tell me. I don't care. I'm the Vin Diesel of gas economy ratings. <laughs> <laughs> it's unleaded well uh, everything is now so i know i'm just yeah, trying to I make it a parallel with family yeah i i wonder how like uh i wonder like i didn't watch the bloopers at all but i i wonder how uh if like <laughs> every blooper is just like at the end it was like he's trying to say in like yeah so i was talking to the rock the other day like, <laughs> so I, I couldn't get to the family room right <laughs> he's like, like yeah well, I, I didn't talk to the rock fuck that guy <laughs> yeah just every every line is just like it ends with a uh, like a uh, like a, a pass off just like uh, family am I right and like cause this okay I don't I don't get the family part because he has like cause you a, haven't watched all the films oh my god like he I know you're disdainful you didn't like the 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 uh, fucking Ryan Reynolds. Oh, the Hitman's yeah, bodyguard. You didn't like crap. those either. These type of those o- are shit compared to the, Fast Nine. These over the top, ridiculous action films are not your thing. No, no, no. Hold on, hold on. This, see, okay, wait. This movie is doing action and oddly, like unintentional comedy at times, comedy good. Whereas Hitman Bodyguard is not doing comedy well, yeah, and it's a shitstorm of a movie, and both movies, disagree. and like it should fucking shit on itself and die. Like it's said, awful. You're just this just isn't your genre, right? I like it okay. Like name a movie like this that you like okay. Oh man, yeah, uh, you can't think of one, can you? I look. It's look. It's going to be difficult for me. Yes. <laughs> uh, the first the first thing is coming to my mind, and this maybe explains my entire like. Just tasting movies, but I was like, "Well, I like Showgirls. I like yeah. Paul Verhoeven. The, 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 Robocop. Those, Robocop. How Robocop. are those like? No, Robocop's not a terrible movie. The Robocop is like everyone agrees that's like flat out a great movie. Yeah, but it's, These, that's not a silly action film in the sense of like Anaconda. 
I like Anaconda. Yeah, Anaconda is kind of mediocre. Oh, you can go to hell. But that also is not comparable. That's a horror film. Uh, uh, See, it's not your genre, right? It's not your genre. Hold on, I can what think What about of... Commando? Did you like Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger? Look, technically... I'm trying to help you here. Technically, I haven't seen it, but... Oh, my God. Okay, look. I like Predator. True Lies. That doesn't count, because those are both, honestly, like, on the surface, great action movies. Like, Die Hard? Once again, on the surface, great action uh, movie. Just Titanic? Stop. Just stop. Terminator 2? No. I think we know what's happening here. Oh, God. That I'm a snob when it comes to good no. movies. <laughs> I admit it. I don't like romantic dramas that much. You can admit you don't like over-the-top, really silly, like, action movies. It, it's... Like, it just, uh... Whatever, Fred Flintstone. We gotta wrap this one up. Uh... That's the end of this episode of, 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 <laughs> of, of Digital Noise. Uh, thank you, Wright, for joining me. Hey, He's going to be Chris. struggling emotionally after this, of course. I'm oh, sorry course for that. Am. But, that, that, you know, I mean, it's, it's a part of the course. He's learned something about himself today, ladies Have and gentlemen. I? He will, once he goes home and he's up all night and he's like four in the morning, he wakes up his wife. He's like, I can't stop thinking about what Chris said about how I feel about silly action films. Look, I'm going to be watching Sundown uh, tra- <laughs> Retreat to Vampires again or whatever the hell it's called. I'm fine. Uh, We'll be back soon with John Golson with a new episode with a whole stack of new movies. And uh, and don't worry, people would ask me, is Aaron coming back? He is. He just has had a lot of personal life stuff going on that was like, I can't do this for a little while. But he is like, I'm excited to come back. I just can't do it right now. So just there are three digital noise people aside from me. And he will be making it back into the rotation. Again. I, I'm the new Aaron for right now. <laughs> <laughs> you are. You are. People are like, I guess Wright will do. I'll do.